Hello Jubilee and welcome to you all. I really hope you're all keeping safe and well. Uh, and if you're here for the first time joining us online, uh, thank you. It's great to have you with us. My name is Sarush and I'm one of the elders here at Jubilee. And today we'll be continuing our series on Heroes of Faith, also known as Hebrews 11 Hall of Fame. And we'll be looking at the character of Joseph, perhaps known as Joe by his brothers. Uh, you'd be glad to know it's not the Diamond Joe or uh, corrupt Mayor Quimby in The Simpsons, but it's the total opposite character. Let's see what the book of Hebrews says about him. So it's in Hebrews eleven twenty-two. By faith, Joseph, when his end was near, spoke about the exodus of the Israelites from Egypt and gave instructions concerning the burial of his bones. So this is what we read about him, that by faith, he had some instructions for his children and the next generation. And they were to do with the burial of his bones. Let's look at it in a bit more detail and find out who this Joseph was and why he gave such instructions. Joseph is one of many sons in the family. He is clearly the favourite son of his father, Jacob. He's treated differently. He's given preferential treatment. And Jacob has no shame in doing that. In fact, Jacob loved him so much that he took him to a place similar to our M&S and had a coat tailor-made for him, a sort of coat I would wear because it was colourful. So Jacob makes his son a colourful coat and is tailor-made. So he's set apart from his brothers. His brothers dislike him because of this. They dislike him because he's given different treatment. They probably dislike him because they knew he's the favourite son and their father, Jacob, was looking at him differently. He doesn't do himself a favour anyway by sharing two dreams that he had with them. In both dreams, Joseph tells his brothers that this is what God gave me. This is the dream I had from God. And in both dreams, his brothers bow down before him. Now, you've got to understand, as one of the younger sons, um, it's not acceptable, particularly by the eldest, that um, they should be bowing down before this young Joseph, who we, we read in Genesis was 17 at the time. So you can forgive him uh, for perhaps coming across as a bit obnoxious or big-headed, but his brothers couldn't really understand what was behind it. So what happens is this leads to a brutal act. His brothers tear apart his coat throw him down a well, and later sell him into slavery, into a foreign land. Now, this person who had a nice gown and coat, this person who had a good position in the family, now finds himself at the bottom of a well with no clothes on, and sold into slavery. This person who had a family, father and mother, to care for him, now has no one in a foreign land. Now, the worst thing is that they go to Jacob and say, oh, he died. And I can imagine them really wailing in the funeral of their brother that they sold into slavery and know full well he's still alive. Imagine the sort of face that they had to put on really before Jacob. Some say maybe he deserved it. He was obnoxious, arrogant, talking about his dreams that way. But if you read the full story, you'll find out. And I would recommend it if you haven't read your Bible fully or if you haven't read the particular story of Joseph, you can find it in the book of Genesis. This young man with great position and a good family 
is now a prisoner in a foreign land, a slave. At this point, despite his dreams, he can justify himself to be angry with God, to really have a go at him and be bitter with him and say, well, it was your fault because you gave me the dreams. It was your fault because you told me this would happen. And look, you were lying because it's not happened. In fact, it's the total opposite. But again, we learn something else about his character. Or he could choose to live in the past and bitterly wait for his time to come to an end. He could say, yeah, up until the age of 17, I had a good life. My father loved me. I was going to be a good man. I was going to grow up. And perhaps at one point, I'll be leaving the whole family. But hey, those days are gone. And I'm just waiting for my end to come. It wasn't meant for me. I did have a couple of dreams in which I thought, well, God's got a different plan for me. God has a purpose and plan, but maybe they weren't from God. And if they were, maybe there was something wrong in, in there. So he had two choices. Or he could plot revenge while he was in slavery. He could work hard. He could earn his freedom. He could perhaps gather an army and go after his brothers and pay them back for what they did to him. But again, something far greater he had in mind. Something we learn from Joseph. He didn't do any of this because he had a vision. Because he had faith that God had a purpose for him. Despite the current circumstances, he knew that this isn't the end. He knew that this isn't all that God has for him. Despite being a slave and having to work really, really hard. He knew that there was something greater. Perhaps you're in that situation where you think people have done you wrong. Even loved ones, they've done you wrong. And it's their fault that you're in this situation now. Perhaps you've got bitterness in your heart against them. Perhaps you've got unforgiveness in your heart. Uh, as we carry on reading through uh, the character of Joseph, finding out more about him, let's see what's there to learn. And let's see what sort of other alternatives we have. Let me share a story with you. Just a few months ago, as I was being prayed for in a group of friends, uh, we were praying for different things and then... Um, I found myself in the middle of uh, the group and they were all laying hands on me, praying for me. And uh, one really good friend came forward and uh, she had a, a prophetic word from God. And she said something along the lines of um, the hurt and rejections uh, that I felt, um, particularly from the loved ones or those very close to me. Uh, and that God wants to take this away and that God wants me to leave that with him. Um, it was at this point that I really broke into tears. Uh, and it never happened to me before. I broke into tears as I heard these words spoken by a good friend. Words that God had given her for me. Um, I was praying that, uh, well, God, don't let this be a regular occurrence where I burst into tears. And there's nothing wrong with that. But I was just thinking, oh, well, this, is, this is, hasn't happened before. But also, that reminded me. That brought back something I was trying to hide. I grew up in a loving family and felt really loved by my family and the extended family and friends. My father perhaps treated me like Jacob treated Joseph. Um, a loving man who would sacrifice everything for me. And he did. He did make a lot of sacrifices for me as a father. But I tried to hide the feelings of rejection when I was uprooted from my home country, from everything and everyone I knew, from my childhood memories, when I had to escape from my life because of my faith in Christ and leave everything behind. I had feelings of rejection, but I was trying to hide them. 
The feelings were real, but for many years I was trying to push them down and perhaps even ignore them and say, no, they're not real and they don't exist. But God reminded me to carry on. I need to leave them with him. But also, he reminded me of the promises and the purposes he has for me. And that was an amazing feeling, not just an emotional feeling, something you can feel in your heart, something you can feel on your shoulders as well, a weight being lifted up. It was at that point I decided to confess before God and say, yeah, I knew all the way that you knew, but I just want to, to pretend that they're not there, but I want you to deal with them. I want you to help me overcome this bitterness and unforgiveness that I have in my heart against those who perhaps have done me wrong. And that was liberating. Joseph did this. Many other characters in the Bible did this. Many people around us have done this and do this on a perhaps weekly or daily basis. And I want to encourage you, if that's you, if you have unforgiveness and bitterness in your heart and you perhaps feel you can justify it, carrying it forward with you will only hinder your journey with God. Bring it before God. Do what Joseph did. It's liberating. Let's continue. Do you live in the past or do you project everything that you have into the future? Let us make choices like Joseph did. He could see something far greater in the future, into the future. Perhaps even people around him who didn't know his worldview were thinking, were thinking, oh, this guy, oh, he's really, I mean, his optimism is great and we really want to learn from him. Or at times they thought, oh, he's foolish because look at his life and look at the way he tries really hard and look at the hope that he has because, I mean, come on, you're a slave and you're never going to get out of here. But it was like as if Joseph had a spiritual periscope. Now, kids, you may want to ask uh, the adults in your uh, home uh, or household to ask, uh, to ask them to do something similar to this. This is a periscope. So there is a mirror here at this end and another one right at the top. And you'd be glad to know that I didn't do this. It's Simon's craftsmanship based on the suggestion of a very good friend. It's as if Joseph had one of these in spirit. These are really helpful things. If there's a wall right in front of me, or if there are things, obstacles that won't allow us to see beyond something, we can use periscopes to look through them and see what's on the other side. It's as if Joseph had one of these. Um, it's really helpful to have them um, if we're looking into the future um, by asking God to allow us to see things further. I grew up in uh, the south of Iran, in Shiraz, and there was uh, a mountain called the Mother Mount. And the reason it's called that is because there is, um, it's in the shape of a human being that's lying down, looking towards the heavens. Uh, I remember um, I, I could hear the name, but I couldn't really see the shape of it. And my father was trying to show me and, and told me, look, son, this is the head, this is the belly, and this is how it looks like, and this is how you can see it. Uh, in the form of a human being, but I was always preoccupied with what's behind it. As a child, I was curious to know what's behind these mountains. As I grew older and I could see actually why, uh, what, I mean, the reason why it's called Mother Mount, I'd forgotten about that sort of curiosity to explore what's behind these mountains. Perhaps because 
as a child, I couldn't really get behind it and see it. I couldn't, I, there weren't many people who'd gone over the mountains on the other side. Or perhaps when they were explaining it to me, it was in two vague uh, terminologies. I couldn't understand it as a child. But as I grew up, I'd forgotten about that. But Joseph was a Magnus. He was 17 at the time when he was sold into slavery. And as the years went by, he held on to God's promises. He had a spiritual periscope that could see beyond the current situation. Joseph could have one of the best pyramids in Egypt, but he knew that God had a far greater plan for him. He could have one of the best places in the whole of Egypt later on as we read in the story. But his choices were based on his worldview, which were based on the worldview of his fathers, based on the prophetic words on their relationship with God, on their faith that they had in the God of the universe, in the promises that God had given them. Just as we thought that things couldn't get any worse for Joseph being sold into slavery, they do actually get worse. He's thrown into prison. Why? Not because he's committed an offence. No, he didn't steal from his master. In fact, he was in charge of everything, as we read in the Bible, as we read in the verses, and as we read his own words. He says, my master, Potiphar, has put me in charge of everything in this household, except one thing. And he's, this is a dialogue that he has with Potiphar's wife, because she asked Joseph to sleep with him, with her, and have sex with her. Joseph is reminding her of his responsibilities. He says, I'm in charge of everything. My master has given me everything but you, because you're his wife but also I wouldn't commit this act because it's a sin against God. Now, people will probably laugh at you if you say that sex outside marriage is a sin against God. People around Joseph, even at the time, would have laughed at him. Say, come on, you're a lonely man. You can take comfort in this, knowing that there's actually someone around who loves you and cares a bit about you, who may actually want to... Uh, be with you for a while uh, during the day who may actually want to have a conversation with you as a human being rather than a slave or a servant. He could have taken comfort in that, but he didn't because he knew full well it's a sin against God. A lonely man in a foreign land, he rejects this offer and because he rejects it, he's thrown into prison because of the charges that were brought against him falsely. He's thrown into prison and it's at this point where we think, yeah, he's actually got every right to be angry with God and he's going to give up. I mean, it's probably OK for him to give up at this point, but he doesn't. He excels in the jail to the point where the jailer puts him in charge. I can imagine the jailer saying, oh, well, the, the lockdown's been eased, the pubs are open, here's the kids, Joe. I'm just going to go around the corner for a pint or two. If I'm late, lock the doors, switch off the lights, tell everyone to go to bed, hang on to the keys, I'll come back maybe tomorrow or the day after. Imagine a prisoner being in charge of a prison. The amount of trust that was needed. But he excels because he has the spirit of God in him. Then one day, two fellow prisoners come and talk to him about what? About dreams. Now, if I were Joseph, I would run away from them because this is a guy who's supposed to be scared and afraid of dreams. It was the dreams that caused him to be in the current situation anyway. But in faith, he listens to them. He interprets the dreams for them. Again, not out of his own strength, but with what God had given him. 
And that leads to him coming out of prison, becoming second in command in the whole nation of Egypt. Then there's a famine and his brothers come to Egypt looking for help. They come to buy grains and food. He sees them for the first time after many years. His first reaction could be to ridicule them. His first reactions could be to do the same to them as they did to him. And perhaps people around him would have said, yes, you're doing it right. Well done. You're taking revenge for what they did to you many years, for wasting many years of your life, for causing you to live away from uh, your mom and dad, for causing you to live away from your homeland, from everything you knew as a child. But it's him who says the famous words. You meant it for evil, but God meant it for good. He's not embarrassed to tell them what you did was evil. He's not embarrassed. He doesn't want to put the glasses on that are rose-tinted. He doesn't want to say, oh, it's all right. You did that to me, but it's okay. No, it wasn't okay. It was evil. But what he points to is God. He says, what you did was evil, but God worked even through that situation. He didn't waste a single day of my life. In his hands, I was safe. God meant it for good through something that you wanted to do to me, to perhaps even kill me and sell me into slavery so that you never see me again. God worked. There is an amazing willingness to forgive. And when you forgive, there's something that, that is released in you. There is something liberating. Joseph didn't hide the fact that it was evil, but he told them of his God. Maybe again you've been treated badly and now you're in a position where you can make a decision. Remember, whatever that happened, God can change and turn for good. And just before his death, his father Jacob has passed away. His brothers are around. Um, the children are around. Now he could think, well, my father isn't around. Um, I could do whatever I wanted to do to my brothers, really. And I wouldn't have to face my father and face that sort of shame and embarrassment. But he has one request, which we read in the verses. He saw what his children would go through, perhaps in spirit. He could see the pain that perhaps they'll be experiencing as a result of slavery in later years. But he could also see the sea divided in two. And his children walking through it with God going before them in a pillar of fire. He could see them entering the promised land. He could see and feel in his spirit that God was going to take these people out of slavery into a land that he has promised them. He's going to raise mighty men and women that would go after him. He's going to raise a people who will take his word to the ends of the world. He's going to raise a people out of the seed of Abraham who in faith are the children of Abraham. Let's not forget the promises of God even in times of difficulty. Joseph asked for his bones to be taken out of Egypt into the promised land. There's been times where I've struggled to see beyond the current pain and the current situation. There's been times where I've thought, but I can't really see beyond it. Lord, will you take me out of this situation? But then I was reminded that there is something greater in the future doesn't necessarily mean that things will always work well in our minds or the way we mean well. But God's in control. 
is sovereign over everything. Remember to believe in God's promises. His word is full of promises and perhaps you've had prophetic words and a prophetic burden on you. Perhaps you're carrying promises of God. Remember to hang on to them. By not believing him, we're really despising him. By not believing his promises, we're discounting his greatness. Let go of anger and bitterness. Now, where do we see Jesus in, the, in all of this? I tell you, Jesus was the greater Joseph. He has a lot of similarity with Joseph, but there's one big difference. There's a slight different ending that makes all the difference. The story of Joseph is that a son of God seated on high. We read in the Bible that he gave up all his glory for you and I, and he came down. He became like us, you and I, a human being living on this earth. He came amongst us and he was shamefully treated. He was beaten for no reason. He hadn't committed an offence, but he was beaten for it. Men meant it for evil, but God meant it for good. He was crucified, he was beaten and died on the cross. And as he was dying, he did something similar to Joseph. Joseph forgave his brothers. Jesus forgave those who were beating him and said, Father, forgive them, they don't know what they're doing. Joseph's bones were taken out of Egypt. But Jesus' bones weren't taken out of anywhere because there were none there in the grave. When his disciples went after three days to look in there, it was empty. And that is the great difference. That is the difference between Joseph and Jesus, amongst many other differences. Jesus left the tomb. He walked out in triumph and in victory. He overcame death and he is alive today. Receive his grace today. Let's find his grace and mercy in everything we do. Let's come before this God who's alive. He's living. He never had to ask his disciples to take his bones out of that particular tomb or grave and take them anywhere. He rose again. And because of that, we can have a relationship based on faith with him and with the Father, and be led by his Spirit. Jubilee, friends, brothers and sisters, let's hang on to God like Joseph did. Let's forgive the bitterness in our heart. Let's forgive those who have done us wrong. More than anything, let's have faith and see with eyes that Jesus has given us. Let's see through the spiritual periscope he's given us. Let's see beyond the current situation. Let's see beyond the mountains. Let's see the fullness of what he has for us. And as you do that, as you continue to pray for breakthrough in different areas in your life, remember to continue to pray for Teesside. Remember to continue to pray for this nation and the nations so that many can come to get to know him. God bless you in your day as you do that. Every blessing to you.